Good morning and welcome to worship as we continue in the season of Lent and we'll continue with our Lenten sermon series. Today we transition from betrayal to denial, but always reminded and yet we are forgiven. It's great to have you here. A special welcome to our guests and visitors as we gather around God's word and sacrament to be nourished in our faith. After you hear the bell ringing, uh, you're invited to stand and we'll continue with our opening hymn.
Jesus was despised and rejected. He was falsely accused, yet he did not speak in his own defense or answer those who condemned him. He remained silent like a lamb led to the slaughter and took up his cross for our sake. And speak out in loveless ways, out of anger and envy. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Then Pilate said to Jesus, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Lord, lead us to walk in love as you walked, so that our words and actions will be a blessing to others. Testament reading is from Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, 
and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is the word of the Lord.
the Holy Gospel. Mark 14, beginning at verse 53. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed, the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. This is the gospel of the Lord. <laughs> 
Peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. From betrayal to denial. Neither one is good, but, but let's be honest, betrayal sounds worse. I mean, we associate betrayal with Judas and denial with Peter, 
better to hang with Peter than Judas, right? But both betrayal and denial led Jesus to drink that cup of wrath. And you and I are guilty of both betrayal and denial, and thus are responsible for filling that cup of wrath. And if we can't swallow that, then we must be in denial. We often associate denial with an inability or an unwillingness to accept our condition. So maybe as we focus on denial today, we can entertain both notions of our denying Christ and our denying our own condition, our sinful and depraved condition. We are sinful. Paul wrote that we have all fallen far short of the glory of God. And then he adds that the wages of sin is death. Now we might be able to deny our sin, at least for a short rationalizing time, but eventually we must all come to terms with our death. After all, not many of us get out of this world alive. And we were born in that condition. Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Denial or no denial, we are all sinners who will die. And that condition causes us to deny the Lord. Peter did. Peter went from affirming Christ's deity to denying Christ. Before our text, when Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was, Peter, speaking for the twelve, replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right on, Peter. But then in our text, we heard Peter say these words, I don't know this man. Wrong move, Peter. Peter went from affirming Christ's deity to denying Christ. Three times before the rooster crowed. What a chicken. <laughs> but how often do we join Peter in denying our Lord with our thoughts or our words or our deeds, our son, sinful condition moves each one of us to say those same words, I don't know this man. Such awful denial. <clears throat> denial is never a good thing, except in formal logic. In logic, a denial simply reverses the truth statement, the truth value of a statement. Here's the truth value of the statement of our human condition. We are sinners under God's condemnation. Now, put a denial in front of that statement, and we have this. It is not the case that we are sinners under God's condemnation. That is a joyful denial. And it happens all because Christ denied himself for our sake. Now some of you know how much I enjoy teaching critical thinking at Concordia. 
I know anyone who gets excited about statement calculus is probably one beer short of a six-pack, <laughs> but it may actually help us get a handle on the gospel. Now, when writing, most people employ complex statements. When you join two simple statements together to make a complex statement, and those simple statements are joined together with what I call operators. These operators include conjunctions, disjunctions, conditionals, and there's one operator called a denial. And a denial reverses the truth value of a statement. Just throw those words, it is not the case that, in front of any statement, and it reverses the truth value of that statement. So if we want to get out of the statement that we are sinners who will die, we need to deny that statement by saying it is not the case that we are sinners who will die. Well, we can say that all we want, but that's not going to change anything. But when Christ says it, it really does happen. Not only has he reversed the truth value of our statement, but he has reversed the nature of our condition. First, let's take a look at the nature of Christ's condition. When the high priest asked Jesus if he was the Messiah, the, the Christ, Jesus replied, I am. I am. Those words are familiar. On many occasions, Jesus identified himself with those words, I am, and in so doing, identified himself with Yahweh. Jesus is God. He is righteous. He is sinless, quite the holy condition. But for our sake, he, in a sense, reversed the truth value of that statement. In a sense, he denied himself so that he could reverse the truth value of our condition. He became our sin and our death so that we might become his righteousness and his life. Paul wrote that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow! What a reversal! What a denial! What a joyful denial! Martin Luther articulated the divine reversal of the truth value like this. Christ is full of grace, life, and salvation. The soul is full of sins, death, and damnation. Now let faith come between them, and sins, death, and damnation will be Christ, while grace, life, and salvation will be the souls. Our condition has been reversed. Our sinful condition has been denied by Christ. It is not the case that we are full of sins, death, and damnation. Rather, our truth value now is this. We are full of grace, life, and salvation. We have a brand new identity which comes from Christ. His righteousness now defines us. His innocence has now been credited to us. His life now becomes us. 
That means death no longer owns us. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We are alive. And we are alive all because of another I am statement by Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Even death has been denied those who cling to Christ and his righteousness. And that death was denied in our baptism. Paul writes in Romans 6 that in our baptism we die with Christ so that we might be raised with Christ. If we die with Christ, then we will live with Christ. If then, that's called a conditional. More boring, critical thinking stuff, I know. But according to the rules of formal logic, a conditional is false only when the antecedent is true and the consequent is false. When the if part is true, but the then part is false. But the then part, the live with Christ part, is not false. Paul uses another conditional in 1 Corinthians. He says, if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. Now the only way that would be false, the only way the dead are not raised is false, is if Christ has been raised. And Paul writes right afterwards that Christ in fact has been raised. So we too shall be raised, because if we die with Christ, which we did in our baptism, we will live with Christ, now in faith and forever in heaven. One more critical thinking thing, and I'll quit. A conjunction is an and statement. Two simple statements are connected with an and and for a conjunction to be true, both sides of the and need to be true. Well, our old self is sinful, and our new self is righteous. So as we struggle each day, even with our new identity, which is it? Sinful or righteous? The answer is, Yes, this side of the grave, both statements are true. In Latin, we call it simul justus et peccator. Uh, we are at the same time saint and sinner. But Christ denied the second part on Calvary and has credited to us the first part through faith. So even as we struggle with the sinner part, God sees us as a saint redeemed by Christ the crucified. Today we do confess for those times that we've denied Christ and yet we are forgiven. We are forgiven because Christ denied our sinful condition by becoming our sin for us. And in so doing, we are now the righteousness of God. Let this new identity 
sustain you in the days and years ahead. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our worship continues with the confession of our Christian faith. We'll do so this morning using Luther's explanation to the second article of the Apostles' Creed, and I invite you to stand. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus according to our needs. Our God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you sent your Son, Jesus, into our midst to deny our sinful condition by denying himself, by removing our sin, by taking it upon himself. Help us to live in the joy of this new identity. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, healer of souls and healer of bodies, we lift up to you those in need of such physical healing. This week, we lift up to you Connor Ewing, Linda Harms, Greg Limas, Keith Massner, Bob May, John Patchett, Lisa Potts, Lorenzo Reyes, Tony Rotel, Margie Tompkins, and Don Zuck. Use those in the healing vocations to restore these two children unto health. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of holy baptism by which you call us into your family. We rejoice with Eve DeBeau on the occasion of her baptism this morning. Thank you for accrediting her with your son's righteousness. Be with her parents and godparents as a raiser in the truth and the joy of your gospel. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Holy Father, we thank you for the gift of new life through birth. We rejoice that you have granted Trinity Rose Ramirez to Amy and Omar Ramirez. And we also thank you for granting Elizabeth Grace Clawstead to Buddy and Allison Clawstead. Pray that you keep mothers and children in good health and as they joyfully anticipate the new birth they receive in baptism. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are the God of life, having defeated death. Let that victory serve as a source of comfort for those who lost mourn the loss of loved ones, those who mourn the loss of June Stavick, Rose Butts, Barbara Hill, Billy Graham. Uh, help the empty tomb of Easter to be a source of consolation to those who grieve. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage, and we rejoice with Rodney and Nancy Hauser as they celebrate 46 years of marriage. Thank you for being in the midst of their marriage with your love, and they, may they use that love to reflect to each other. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we continue to pray for our nation, particularly those in Florida as they still mourn the tragic loss of life and, and all the terror that goes with that. We pray that you restore order in our society. Use those in the professions of the counseling and medical staffs to, to do their thing and to, to restore some hope to those who are mourning. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the various ministries of our church. Particularly, we thank you for Grace Works, and we rejoice that the container filled with 141,000 meals and equipment for the playground has arrived in Kenya. 
We pray that this be a blessing to those people and they may see it granted from your hand. Lord, in your mercy. For these and all other petitions, we pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to greet those near you with the peace of the Lord. couple of ministry announcements before we gather our gifts. We are in the Lenten season, so a reminder and encouragement to join us for our midweek Lenten services. We have one that starts at 12.15 here in the sanctuary, and that is preceded by an 11 a.m. lunch over in the dining hall. And then we have a 7 p.m. Wednesday evening service in Walker Hall Auditorium, and that is preceded by a 5.30 dinner in the dining hall as well. Uh, as you know, our theme for this Lenten season is, and yet we are, you are forgiven. And that theme is uh, dealt with in a, a published devotional, which hopefully you all have. If not, we have some available in the narthex as you leave this morning. That devotional is very good for use in your life group or is for personal devotions as well. Uh, Meet St. John's is happening at the 11 o'clock hour. So if you or you know someone who's interested in St. John's, might want to direct them over to the dining room at 11 o'clock. And tonight we have a special concert, a broke concert. That'll be at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Those are our announcements, and we'll continue with the gathering of our gifts.
Please stand. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us to do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave him thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup after he had supped. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Turn to God with all your heart. Come and receive the body and blood of Christ.
Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. And we remember the promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. So we
Please stand. Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Go in peace. Amen. Now the Lord who calls you to return, bless you and keep you. Lord who offers grace and mercy, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord who has worked faith in your heart to respond to his love, look upon you with favor and give you peace. Marked with the cross of Christ, go forth to love and serve the Lord.